Hallelujah. Well, somebody shout glory in this place tonight. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Well, it's good to be here again tonight with you all. And uh, we're going to build on what we talked about uh, on Thursday. Amen. Hallelujah. So slap your neighbor high five and tell him, let's go. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, back to Psalm 139. We'll start there and then we'll keep it moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm standing before people that were made on purpose for a purpose. Hallelujah. Made on purpose for a purpose. Hallelujah. That means you have a destiny, which is a destination somewhere that God is intending for us all to get. Amen. Hallelujah. And I say it like this. Purpose is God's way of telling us where we're supposed to go. And if you don't know your purpose, you don't know where you're supposed to go. And if you don't know where you're going, you don't know when you're going the wrong way. Purpose gives us somewhere to go. Hallelujah. So in Psalm 139, uh, let's read this again, in verse, starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous, huh, marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. See, we got to know well that we are marvelous. A marvelous work of God, a detailed, intricate, sophisticated, artistically designed work of God. Does your soul know that well? When you look in the mirror... You say, my God. I am a masterpiece. Nobody like me. One of a kind. Your fingerprints tell you you're one of a kind. There's nobody else like you. My frame was not hidden from you, verse 15, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And so we started talking about the fact that God created us. He created us specifically uh, for a specific purpose. And we pointed out, and we didn't really talk about it, and hopefully we'll get there, that God has written out our days in a book and so there's a volume in heaven with your name on it amen there's the phyllis volume yeah and the ethel volume and in that book our days are written out and see when we get to open up that book we want to see that everything that he wrote in there for us, we did. 
because just because he wrote it out doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's just his plan. See, a plan is a plan. In other words, this is what we plan for it to be. But then it's up to us to execute the plan. And so we talked last week, uh, last week, wow. When, when you were Philip, it just seemed so long. But you, you ain't coming up here to hit me, are you? I'm full. I ain't thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about, turn with me to First uh, Peter, chapter five, 4, chapter 4. We talked about the fact that when God created you and I, that he built us with certain characteristics that are equip that are to serve as equipment to accomplish his purpose. And we call those things gifts. And so we want to pick up right there in first Peter chapter four. I want to look at verse ten. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So this verse talks about gifts. And we talked about the fact that that word gift, I really like that word gift and what it means. That word gift uh, in the Greek is the word charisma. Y'all remember that? It's the word charisma. And so he says, as each one has received a charisma. See, you've received at least one charisma. And so we, we, we talked about the fact that you got it. You know how we think there's certain people got it. Oh, I wish I was so-and-so because they, they, oh, they got it. And we learned that you have it too. The only difference between them and you is they found what their it was and they're walking it out. And your it is still buried, but you got it. You have Charisma, And so he says, each one that's received the charisma, minister it to one another as good stewards. So, so we talked last time about the fact that when God, when he built us, that he gave us these charismas. He, he didn't give them, he built them into us. And, and one of the definitions of that word charisma we talked about was a spiritual endowment. And that's important because what it tells us is this this charisma, these charismas that we have, they are of the spirit. Now, one of the things I want to do before we move forward is I want to I want to talk about this concept of they are of the spirit. See, one of the things that words are designed to do is words are designed to transmit images. So if I say dog, you get an image of a dog. Or if I say house, you get an image of a house. Words are designed to transmit images. And one of the things that I've learned is that for a lot of people, when you say your spirit, no image is transmitted. 
It's abstract. There's no there's no image. So I want to I want us to it's important that we have an image for the word spirit or for the phrase inward man. We need an image for that. So turn with me to Luke, the 16th chapter. Because see, once you get this image, then this thing, it comes more to life. So in Luke, the 16th chapter, I want to pick up here. In uh, verse 19, Luke 16, 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. So now, what we are about to read from this point on is about two dead men. All right? It's about two dead men. So after they died, it says, being in torment in Hades, he, talking about the rich man, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, verse 25, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus evil, but now he is comforted. You are tormented. Besides that, there's a great gulf fixed between us so that we can't pass from here to there. So I want you to notice that we're talking about two dead men. Who are still alive. They are dead men in the natural, the physical, but they are alive in the spirit. And what I want you to notice is, is that they have bodies. It's just not made of the same material that the physical body is made out of. So this is the spirit. And so you and I, inside of this physical body, have a spirit that has a body. It's just a spirit body. Because we see here that the rich man lifted up his eyes. His spirit has eyes. And he said, send Lazarus to dip his finger in my tongue. So the the inward man, the inward woman is a real person. With eyes and ears and arms and legs inside of your body right now and my body right now is a spirit being that is a real being. You understand what I'm saying? You following me? Now, turn over, turn back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 first. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish and the birds and the cattle and over creeping things that creep upon the earth. But I want you to notice that it said, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. You see those two words? Now, I want to I I give you the definition of these words. The word image is a Hebrew word. And the definition of it is phantom. 
or illusion. Now, the Hebrew word that's translated likeness is a word that means model. Model. So, what he's telling us here is we are going to create man and they will be, they will have a spirit and a body. The spirit is the image, phantom or illusion. You, you know, a phantom or illusion is a, it's a, it's not a tangible, it's not a tangible thing. It's, it's tangible in the realm of the spirit, but in the natural realm, it's not tangible. So he's saying, I'm going to make man and they're going to be, uh, uh, they're going to have a spirit part, but then they're also going to be made in our likeness, which is the physical part. The word likeness is model. And so what it makes me think of is at least for the fellows in here, you ever made a model car? The model car is not made of the same material that a real car is made out of. You follow what I'm saying? And so God, when he made the outward man, it's not of the same material that he is. But the inward man is the same material. It's spirit material. And so over in chapter 2, verse... Seven, it says, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, likeness. That's the model, likeness. Then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's the image. So he created the model, then he breathed in the image, the spirit, the illusion, the spiritual part of man. And so... When we talk about the fact that when God, when I say when God built us, he built gifts and, 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 and wired us a certain way, I'm talking about that inward man. I'm not talking about the natural man. When God built that inward man, that's where the, the, the gifts lie. And they're not like we talked about before. They're not accessories. They're built into us. They're, they're a part of us. You follow what I'm saying? So now, let's go back to uh, Peter. So, so when he designed us, he created us with these, these things that are equipment to fulfill purpose. And so what that means is that when... We are walking in our gifting. We, we produce supernatural results because we're working with supernatural equipment. So if, if, if you're walking in a gift and somebody next to you is walking in a skill... They can't produce what you can produce because the source material for a skill is, is, is in the natural realm. And so you're pulling from a realm that's much more powerful, and so you have a supernatural production. So here's what I mean by that. My wife, you all, we talked, I talked about the other day that my wife is an attorney. And she, t she told me some time ago, she said... God created me to be an instrument of justice. And I want you all to know, she is good. <laughs> she is good. 
And because when you walk in a gift, people recognize it, they respond to it. And so, so, so she, she was working on a case, really is working on a case. Nobody videoing this, right, yeah, on Facebook. And so the defendant on her case, she found out that he was trying to hire somebody to kill the witness. So once she found that out, she started doing her, uh, you know, doing her homework and, and get everything together. She said, yeah, I'm a, this, this joker's bond's about to get snatched. So she went up in the court. She said he was looking all confused. He didn't know what was going on. So she brings this out, and she's like, he's trying to have this witness killed, blah, 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 blah. And, and she said, I have all the DVDs ready uh, for the uh, defense attorney. He can check it out and look at it. She said, this defense attorney is a difficult man, and he always wants motions and, and, and delays, and he's always just asking just for stuff. So when she bought this all out, and she said, you know, I have the, you know, I made DVDs for the, for the, uh, the, the defense attorney because she was, she, she was listening to his jail calls. This fool tried to have somebody, hire somebody to kill somebody using a jail phone, which it says on there, it's recorded. <laughs> so, so the, 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 the judge says to the, the defense attorney, uh, would you do you want to take some time to review these videos? This is what he said. No, Your Honor, if Miss Willis said that this is the case, then I'll take her right a word. Because see, people respond when you're working in a gift, they see it. And it causes them to respond to you. And so she's producing these supernatural uh, uh, results because she's working in her, in her gifting. There were time, there are times that she would have a case, and she would get the verdict. Her 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 conviction rate is probably ninety eight percent, maybe higher. And she'll go back to the office and tell her her colleagues, "Yeah, I got a conviction," and they say, "What? How did you ever get a conviction on that case?" I cannot believe you got a conviction on that case. See, she produces supernatural results. And so if we tap into that gift, we're tapping into something that's in the realm of the spirit. And people who are operating in the, in the natural cannot compete with that. You follow what I'm saying? Turn to Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 1. Judges call her back in their, call her back in their chambers all the time. And say, Miss Willis, that was, that was masterful. The way you did that was incredible. So in Daniel chapter 1, I want to show you. And see, this is what we should all be hearing. You're amazing. Remember awe-inspiring? That word, what was it, the word fearfully is awe-inspiring. You're fearfully, you're made and designed to, ins to inspire all. So when we work in our gift, people will be awed at what we can do. Where did I say turn? Daniel. Steve not even paying attention. He was looking like a deer in the headlights. Huh? <laughs> Boy, you love your pastor. You're trying to save him. God bless you. 
So in Daniel chapter 1, I want to show you something. So this is about, uh, they're talking about Daniel and uh, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I want you to look at verse 20. It says this, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them what? Ten times better than all of the, the magicians and the astrologers who were in all his realm. All his realm. Not in all the palace. Not in all his city. But in the entire realm that he ruled over. These four men of God who had this equipment from God were not just better. They were ten times better. Ten times better. And so if we tap into that gifting, we will be head and shoulders above anybody who's around us. We'll outproduce them. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to, to do things that people will be amazed at. And it won't even, it won't even, my, uh, I, so last year I took, uh, can I get my water? I, I took my, my wife to, uh, or maybe it was a year before last, she went to uh, my office Christmas party. And so a lot of the people that work with me know what she does. So she said, so that every one of them, every single one of them said to her, oh, man, that, that must be a really stressful job. That, must, that job just must be really, just really wear on you and stressful. And, and you know what she said every time? And it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody ask the question. But her answer, it, it struck me. She, she said, no, it's, it's not really stressful. It's not, it's not really stressful. You know Why? Because it's a gift. And when you're working, see, because it's built in, it's natural. Now, see, if I did it, it'd be stressful. It would be hard. It would be labor. But when you built that way, I'm just being me. You don't have to work hard to be you. You just wake up, roll off the bed, and you're you. So she said, no, it's not stressful at all. So we can produce these miraculous results, and it's just easy. While everybody else working and toiling, breaking their back, I'm just being me. I'm just being me. So, so, so when we walk in our gift, see, that's why it's important to find the gift. Amen. Because then you're great. And you're not working hard. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord makes it makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. How many of y'all got a job you sorrowful about? <laughs> well, 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 well. That's fine as long as you got something where you gift you working in a gift. All right. So, so, so we're instructed back in First uh, 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 Peter. It says, as uh, four ten, as each one has received the charisma, minister it. 
So here's what this means. That word minister is a word to serve. It means to serve it. So whatever your gift is, when you, when you walk in that gift, you're serving God. And that's the way we should view it is I'm serving. When my wife is in the courtroom, she's serving God. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that, that, that the charismas that God give us are not only operated in, in the church. See, there, there, there are people that God built to be teachers, and they're in the school system. But they need to be aware that they're serving God. I'm serving God in this public school. Or, or people who, there are people who, they have a, a, a gift to just start businesses, entrepreneurial thing. I know people that just, this guy at my church, he would start a business and it'd be doing two, three hundred thousand dollars in no time. And, and, and he's, he's serving God. See, he's not just making money. He's serving God. There's a purpose for the gift. So when we, when we operate in that gift, when we, when we have a singing gift, we've got to serve God with it. That doesn't necessarily mean in the church. But we can't, we can't, listen, we can't take the gift that God gave us and serve somebody else. It's got to be God because that's what he's telling us. As you've received that charisma, serve with it. It's not, it's not for us. It's for them. You follow what I'm saying? So now, he says serve. If you have the gift, basically do something with it. So he's saying take that gift and do something with it. Now why? Is he saying do something with the gift? Here's why. If you don't, something will always not feel right. Here's what I'm saying. I can, I can do this. I can sit on this. I can use this as a chair. But it don't quite, it works. But it ain't, it don't quite feel right. You know what I'm saying? I can't get comfortable on it. it it's functional. But it wasn't created to be a chair. It works as a chair. You can get by with it. But that's not what it was created for. So if I use this as a chair, there are several things going on. One is I'm not comfortable. Another is it's not comfortable because it wasn't designed for somebody's butt to be on it. (laughs) Their components... On this, that's not being utilized. And if the designer of this speaker saw me sitting on it, he would be upset because that's not what it's for. So now, 
you and I, when we're working in something and it's not our gift, we're like that speaker. We can do it. We can get by with it. But it's not quite comfortable. It's not quite, it doesn't quite fit right. See, a chair, if I was to go sit in a chair, I'm comfortable. And every part of the chair is being utilized. Why is that? Because it was designed to be a chair. So there is a role in this world that's designed specifically for us. And when we find it, we're fully used. We're comfortable. When I'm sitting on that speaker, there's a perfectly useful chair that's just sitting there unutilized, being wasted. So, so when we're doing something that we're not gifted at, there's somebody else who's supposed to be doing it that's sitting somewhere, not being utilized. But when we find that gifted, it just, it fits. It feels right. Everything that God built into us is being tapped into. The people that we're serving are being blessed. We're being blessed. We're producing supernatural results. And we're just being us. No toil in that. There's no labor in that. That's why people get up on Monday mornings and they hate to go to work. See, if you're just doing what you built to do, you'll love doing it. You'll love doing it. But you're doing something you're not designed to do. Then you like that, that Chevy Cruze trying to pull 4,000 pounds. That's a lot of work. And that car, it breaks down faster. It dies sooner. Because it ain't designed to do what it's being asked to do. And see, some people, they're just working themselves literally to death. So, as we think about this, I want to show you the major reason why God wants us to operate in our gift. Turn with me to, let's look at Matthew first. Matthew chapter 5. Oh, this is going to bless you here. This is going to bless you. Matthew, the fifth chapter, I want to start in the 14th verse. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, 
and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we use that verse, and typically we're talking about that, that we should be um, a good representation of Jesus in the earth, and that's, that's true. But I suggest to you that one of the reasons that God wants us operating in our gifting is because he gave it to you so you can be set on a hill. He gave it to you so that when you operate in it, you are elevated. You, 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 you have more influence. You can then begin to change the culture and God gets glory. So he didn't give us the gift to put it under a bushel. He didn't give it to us to set it up under a chair. He gave it to us so that we can be elevated. Turn to uh, Genesis 41. So when we sit on the gift, we're robbing God of glory. So you all know the story of uh, the account of Joseph, how, in fact, I think we talked about it the other day. So Joseph winds up in Potiphar's house, and then he winds up doing what? Running Potiphar's house. Then he winds up in jail, and he winds up doing what? Running to jail. (laughs) Then he winds up in front of Pharaoh, and he winds up running the nation. Because he was operating in his gifting. Now I want to show you. Once he got before Pharaoh, check this out. This is what this is what happened. This is what this this is what happened. Verse 39. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Pharaoh, a pagan king, said to Pharaoh, uh, said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you or shown in you all of this. There is no one and as discerning and wise as you. I told you people recognize it. But did you notice he said God has shown this to you. So now Pharaoh preaching. He telling Daniel God has shown this to you. He says you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your words. All of his people. Now, 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 Daniel's plan was just in the arena of resource management. He said, this is what you do. During the good years, you stock it all up. And when the lean years come, we'll have something to live off. He could have just said, all right, Joseph, you over the treasury. But that's not what he said. He said, you over... All the people. So he elevated Joseph to this place where Joseph is now running the, the, the world empire. This was the most powerful nation in the world. 
And so he says, all of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 41, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt, over all the land of Egypt. He didn't just give him this one little thing. He recognized, man, you got something from God. You can run everything. See, if the people we work for saw that God was in us, they'd give us more authority, more autonomy, because they make money. And in 42, he took a signet ring, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in his garments, put a gold chain around his neck. So Joseph got a little bling out the deal. (laughs) Then he said in verse 44, Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot. In all the land of Egypt. So now Joseph has authority to start impacting the Egyptian culture. Because Pharaoh said, nobody does anything, Joseph, without you. So see, when we walk in that gifting, that then God can elevate us and then we can start changing the culture. So, so don't just go to your desk and hide under your desk because these people so heathen acting. Change it. If Pharaoh would let Joseph run the whole kingdom, certainly. Your boss see that anointed gift on you. Okay, listen, all right, what, what do you think we should do? Well, first of all, we need to stop lying to our clients. Okay. No more lying to the clients. I'm saying, turn to Daniel chapter 2. So in Daniel, the second chapter, here is Nebuchadnezzar, and he has this dream. You all know know the story. And so this, this dream is bothering Nebuchadnezzar. And so he calls his wise men and his uh, uh, magicians and his soothsayers, and he throws them a curveball. Usually he calls them and say, well, here's my dream, so what does it mean? But this thing bothered him so much... He said, I'm not telling you to dream. You tell me to dream, and then you tell me what it meant. Because you know, sometimes, you know, saints can make up something. You tell them to dream, they come up with something. But now, if they tell you what you dreamt, then you know that's God. (laughs) 
you know, we uh, it's kind of dying down now, thank the Lord. But y'all remember that, like, prophetic kind of thing that was going all over the place? I never got prophecies. You know why? I didn't talk to people. I didn't tell them nothing. <laughs> so they ain't had nothing to go on. Because they, they know something about you and they start making stuff up. Thus says the Lord. You're having problems on your job. I just told you that. So I wouldn't talk to people. I wouldn't tell, I wouldn't tell people nothing. And you know I never got words. So when I got one, I knew. All right, you don't know me. You don't know nothing about me. See, that was Pharaoh's deal. He's like, I ain't telling you nothing. I need to know this is from God. So all of these magicians and all of those people, they struck out. They was like, King, who can do that? Nobody can do that. You tell us to dream and we'll certainly tell you what it means. (laughs) But who in all the kingdom can tell the king what he dreamt? So the king started killing people. He started killing the soothsayers and the magicians. And then Daniel got wind of it. He was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's not be rash because, see, Daniel was in that category to the king. Let's not be so hasty here. Just give me, give me some time and I'll get you your answer. And so we know that Daniel was gifted in the area of interpreting dreams. So he comes back. He tells Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was. And then he told him what the dream meant. Now, let's see what happens here in uh, verse. So down through verse 30 and 40, Daniel was telling him what all the dream, what the dream meant. After he told him the dream, it meant these different kingdoms coming. Right. So he tells this to Nebuchadnezzar. And I want you to see Nebuchadnezzar's response. In verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. Then the king answered Daniel and said, truly, your God is God. See, he didn't give it to you to put it under a bushel. He gave it to you. So he can elevate you, so you can impact culture and give glory for him. So that the heathen will recognize, oh, God is real. Because I can't do what you're doing. I, I work just as hard. See, that's the thing about Steph Curry. They, they're, they're basketball players work just as hard as he does. They shoot just as many shots as he shoots, but they can't do what he can do. I told y'all he hit 93 out of 100 three-pointers in practice. 77 in a row. Nobody did. Nobody has ever done that. So Steph Curry comes out of nowhere and he gets elevated. And for those of y'all who don't know, he's a Christian. I had his shoes on earlier today and I showed Steve what the name of the shoes were. You know what it was? Iron sharpens iron. That was the model of the shoe. So he's elevated, and now he's bringing glory to God. So, so Nebuchadnezzar says that truly 
verse 47, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. And get what, Dan, get what he did. In verse 49, and Daniel petitioned the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affair. So he bought the other, bro- uh, other, other brothers with him. He bought the other men of God up in that place to influence it for God. Now, like Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest man on the planet at that time. The Babylonian kingdom was the kingdom. And he set a Jewish foreigner over the, over the whole province of Babylon. So now where is it that you're supposed to be elevated? Where is it that they're supposed to come to you and say, your God is God? I know all them other people, what they saying, but your God is God. I've seen the proof, and I don't need to know anything else. And I, I need you running everything, because you got the goods. So he's designed, he's gave us those things to get us elevated, promoted, to influence the culture, and to point people to him. Because when people see somebody that's gifted, they want to follow them. They're drawn to them. And we're supposed to use that influence to change the world. To change the world. Over in the book of Acts, it talked about how they said, I can't remember what what city it was in, but they said, these men have turned the world upside down. Upside down. So we're supposed to turn our culture, the culture that we're in. See, see, we're, we're, being, we're, we're sitting there as undercover agents. See, we're moles. We're supposed to go in there, infiltrate it, and then change it. Get elevated. And then change it. Stop praying for them to get you out of there. Lord, deliver me. Change it. You need to deliver them. So... What we see here is that when we operate in those things that God built into us, life gets sweet. How many of y'all know it's sweet at the top of uh, the top of Egypt? <laughs> you got the ring, you got the necklace, you riding on the good horse. Whatever you say, go. They coming to you and saying, uh, Joseph, can we do this? Nah, we don't do that anymore in Egypt. We do it this way. You don't even have to tell them. You don't even have to tell them it's God's way. Just tell them what to do. 
we don't lie to our clients anymore why not it's just not it's just not a good thing to do you ain't got to go chapter and verse just just don't lie you just don't treat people like that okay we'll do it your way why because you you gift it I'll, I'll follow you I'll follow you nobody gonna follow a knucklehead but you got the goods how many of y'all have experienced that people just want to you you excellent and people want to follow you they want to follow you they want to hook in see because everybody wants to succeed and if they see you succeed they want to be a part of it but if we don't operate in our gift life is struggle it's labor it's hard. It's unfulfilling. Because over in uh, Romans, chapter 13, I believe it is, it said the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. They ain't going anywhere. So I don't care if you 55,000 miles from using it, it's still there. And nothing that's dying feels good. And so as that gift is just laying in there completely unutilized and untapped, it's going to let you know. It's, 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 it's like in a straitjacket and it's trying to get out. And like I said, that's why people don't want to go to work in the morning. If you're serving in a ministry that you hate, I'm going to suggest you sit down. I hope that's all right, Steve. Don't everybody run to Steve tonight like I quit. <laughs> that was a little risky, huh? Yeah, okay. All right, talk to me before you decide. <laughs> oh, yeah, and people will, too. Or... Sometimes we stay things too long because we think if I if I leave, it's gonna fall apart. Right. You know what I learned? Life goes on. Yeah. People survive. Right. People adapt. People step up. And so I I'm not afraid to quit stuff now. Cause I learned. The first time I did it, I learned everything was all right. God didn't fall off the throne. The church didn't close down. I'm like, oh, man, they survived. Found somebody else to do it. Now I'm happy again. Because I ain't working in something that's getting on my nerves. It's not a labor. And I'm not saying that that sometimes... Things aren't difficult. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying you don't have to work. And you don't have to put in effort. But what I'm saying is, is that when you operate in your gift, it's natural. That's what I'm saying. It's natural. When I'm teaching the Word of God, I feel like I'm sitting on my living room couch. I'm just being me. I study, yes. I pray, yes. So I put the effort in. But when I'm when I'm in the gift, man, 
it just it fit. It just fit. Now, don't co-sign, all right? Don't get too happy on this. If I start singing, I ain't comfortable. Y'all ears bleeding. But when I do what I'm gifted to do, and it's the same for you. And so I'm encouraging you tonight to discover your gifts and then begin to operate in them because then you'll be great. See, listen, listen, listen. You ever ask a kid what you want to be when you grow up? I have never heard a kid say, well, you know, I want to work a dead-end job for 40-something years, be old and retire and die. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be the president. I want to be a superhero. Why? They want to be great because that's something God built in everybody. There's something in everybody that knows we're supposed to be great. They know it's, it, we know we're supposed to be great, and life gets frustrating when we can't be great. But I don't care where you at, what, what neighborhood you was born in, what side of the tracks, how, how educated you are, none of that stuff. There's something that God built into you that allows you to be great. You don't have to be highly educated. You just don't. All you got to do is be gifted. And you are gifted. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, I think I'm finished. I could go on, but I think I'm finished. You got a song? I just asked a question. He can say no. If he want to be, he can, he can uh, be in the flesh if he want to and say no. It's good to see my main man, Daryl, back there. The reverend, the, the reverend bishop, anointed archbishop, like right under the pope. Daryl Coates. I'm done. I'm done. these things <laughs> all right well everyone has a gift of writing checks everybody has a gift of it there we're going to give you an opportunity to exercise that and be a blessing to these guys up here
you need an offering envelope, raise up your hand. Ushers will give you an offering envelope. Make it out of check. Make it out to Zoe, ZCF, Zoe Christian Fellowship, whichever you prefer. Now, I think that uh, Brother Noel straightened us out pretty good on at the, the end there. But just in case anyone was still wondering about it, anybody think that Paul was operating in his gift? Yeah, I think he was too. But Paul despaired even of life. Just because you get discouraged does not mean you were in the wrong spot or not operating your gift. Because if you're in your gift, the enemy's coming after you. And you can face discouragement, especially if you're not full. Amen. <laughs> yeah, you want to be full. And just because you're having a hard time doing the thing that you're gifted to do doesn't mean you ought to quit. There's an example of a guy in the, in the Bible who quit his gift, picked it up again later on, and became useful. His name was Mark. He quit. And this is tough. I wasn't expecting this. I'm going home to Mama. That's where he went. He went home to Mama. <laughs> he left the Mama's house. <laughs> I don't even want to work right now. I just want to <laughs> stay in the room. <laughs> just because you get discouraged, folks, doesn't mean you're in the wrong spot. I think he gave us a lot of tools to help us identify gifts and skills and purposes and things like that. So, uh, stay in it. Y'all have. Plenty of time now to get your offering ready. Get that gift flowing. All right. Rushers, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's some, that's some good word for us to, to feast on. If you did not make your way back to the table over there, uh, Philip doesn't think that his teaching is worth the CDs. <laughs> But brother Noel, but brother Noel feels that his are worthwhile, so he he's got some stuff back there if you want to pick them on up. <laughs> he does do Visa and Mastercard. He says. All right, so. You can head on back there, and even if you don't have paper money, it'll, plastic money will work just fine. Now, if you want to get more Philip, you can go up on YouTube and find some Philip up there too. Yeah, I was, in, I was enjoying some of that before. That's right. Philip, Philip is under the impression that Philip has to be seen, not just heard. <laughs> I probably agree with that too. <laughs> you got you got to be seen. I mean, some of us we can just be heard, and, never, and you got the same thing. But boy, I tell you what, you watch Philip. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some of the people I listen to, they say I have a face designed for radio. <laughs> That's good. All right, everybody. Uh, everybody.
Done. All right. We're back here tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. We're done here plenty early for you all to go on home, kick up your feet for a little while, get some sleep, come on back here in the morning and be refreshed. We're going to be here at 10 o'clock. Daddy Dog Day after the service tomorrow. So plan on sticking around, chowing down on some burgers and some hot dogs. And my daughter promised me guacamole. I don't know if we're going to get there. That She hasn't been feeling too good here today. I heard somebody kind of gave, well, if you want to. Who doesn't like guacamole on hamburgers? I mean, come on. Oh, you don't like guacamole? What is wrong with you people? I don't even like vegetables. I don't even like vegetables. I'll do guacamole on chips. I'll do guacamole on hamburgers. I'll do avocados on eggs. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I'm, that, is a, that is a heavenly fruit right there. All right, so that's going on tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, everybody know what time tomorrow night is? Six o'clock. That's right, six o'clock for tomorrow night. So uh, we will see you there. Head on back over to the table there. Take a look at what Brother Noel has here for you. And uh, you guys were, were bending their ears some yesterday. And I know they, these guys like that. They, you know, only for about 15 minutes, but they, they, like, they like that. <laughs> They just—it's just their anointing. It's just—they uh, have this trouble anointing. It just gets off on people. Yeah. All right. Let's all stand up. Father God, we thank you for the good things we've received and the things we will put to work in our life to yield more for you. For we are called to be your lights and lights that are set on a hill. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.